strange stories of peculiar people and extraordinary events throughout history. This is Notorious Narratives. Welcome to Notorious Narratives. I'm Jen. And I'm Robin. That was loud. Wow. It also sounds like you spilled a little bit. Take a shirt. I don't think so. Wow. No spill. That popped out. Tonight, I'm going to tell you the story of Lady Death, a woman who struck fear in the hearts of Nazis and was history's most accomplished female sniper. I've heard of her. I don't know anything about her, but I've heard of this woman. Oh, yay. Okay. So I hate the term tomboy. I was definitely a tomboy growing up. I mean, I mean, I think a lot of us were, but I just hate the idea that it exists basically because some activities are inherently masculine. And if you enjoy them as a young girl, it, it somehow makes you less than feminine. I just it, It's a term that just bothers it's me. It's so weird because I, I think that I was a really good combination of both. It's like, yeah, yeah. I, I did dance class, but then I also really just loved like to go to the park and like roll around in dirt, right. dig things up. I also feel like there is the idea that being competitive is also somehow a masculine trait. And but I I think I will say that female competition is some of the most fierce that you will ever experience. (laughs) Pure (laughs) ruthlessness. Gouge your eyes out, pull your hair like it's out of control. I mean, throughout nature. Yeah. Like a female lion protecting her cubs. Like just I think that females, I think they're actually inherently competitive. And I think that the idea that it's a masculine trait is pretty much bullshit because I think that women are much more competitive. Much more competitive. And yeah, so I dare say that it's much more natural for women to be competitive than Which males. Which is why in, in, I mean, I think that this is the reason why a lot of girls have a lot of guy friends right and not a lot of girlfriends like you have that close bond you have those close few but you don't make girlfriends easy because there's always some some type of competition right some some way to always be a little bit further up than the other one oh you did this well i did this and this and whatever it is it's hard to find female friends because Mm -hmm. of things like that like you know it's like oh well i lost five pounds well i lost eight yeah you know oh well i am vegetarian well i'm vegan yeah it's always and especially Some. when you get older and you're like, oh, I'm engaged. Oh, I, so am I. Or whatever. <laughs> Me too. Oh my God, my wedding's in May. So is mine. One of yeah, yours. It's like female yeah. competition is sheer and utter fucking brutality. Mm-hmm. So... While those are just concepts that kind of bother me baseline, I just wanted to get that put out there before I even tell the story. Because it kind of starts off with basically this young woman, Lyudmilia Pavlinchenko, was very competitive tomboy. She was born in a remote village in the Ukraine, and eventually she moved to Kiev when she was 14 years old. She was a competitive pole vaulter and sprinter and took pleasure in competing against boys. There you go. In Kiev, when she joined the Volunteer Society for Cooperation with the Army, Aviation, and Navy, she became a sharpshooter, little realizing where her choice in hobbies would lead her. At the age of 16, she was married and had a son. Though I'm the sorry. Mar- yes. At 16, yes, married with a son? Mm-hmm. What year was this? 40? 38, 40. Okay. Around there. Though her marriage would not last. That's, I mean, that's all I really know, right? So she's young. She's into sharpshooting. She got married. 
she was like working in a factory, trying to go to college. Regardless, her marriage didn't last. But what did last was college because she was a very good student. She was a student at Kiev University where she completed a master's degree in history and was working towards her doctorate, focusing on the life of Bodhan Khmelnytsky, who was a Ukrainian leader who eventually created an alliance with Russia. Made a good history. Yeah, man. Woohoo! She loved her university. She loved her country and its rich history. But as Liam Neeson said, she also had a particular set of skills. In her time as a sharpshooter, she won numerous medals and was highly revered. So, in 1941, she was just 24 years old, working on her doctorate when Germany began its invasion of Russia. Her beloved university was bombed. Oh, fuck. She was in Odessa at the time when it happened. But that did not stop her from being one of the first to go down to the offices and volunteer to join the army. She requested to join the infantry so that she could fight up close. They offered her an option of being a nurse, which she did not accept. She said they wouldn't take girls in the army, so had to resort to all kinds of tricks to get in. Eventually, she brought them all of her sharpshooting medals, in which she held every high-level civilian sharpshooting award. At one point, her Red Army officials simply pushed her into the field and had her perform an impromptu audition. In inactive, like mm-hmm. they were like. It's okay, a su- so it's a suicide uh, interview. Exactly. They're like, Got oh, it. you, you say it. you're so good at being a sharpshooter. Well, mm, how Got about it. you come over here mm-hmm. and shoot these two guys? Hi, everybody. I'm Katie Segal. And I'm Kurt Sutter. And welcome to our new podcast called Pi People, Influences, and Experiences. Yes, it's sort of the uh, get to know you at a deeper level the who, what, when, where, and why you are rather than what it is you do. Absolutely. We're not going to talk too much about what people do. We just want to know about their families, where they come from, you know, what shapes their parenting if they have kids, what shapes their marriages if they're married. We just want to be really nosy. We want to get in there. A deep dive into nature and nurture. And we started it because there are a lot of people that we don't know that we are curious about. Right. And I have no friends, so for me, it's, you know. Try like, to get them out of the house. Listen to it on whatever you listen to <laughs> podcasts on. Yeah, podcast, your, homecasts. Your, 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 your podcasting apparatus. Watch it on the YouTube. He's aging himself. So the goal was simply to take out a pair of Romanians who were known to be working with the Germans. Get him, girl. She picked the two off and was accepted. These are not kills that are tallied in her official total because they are only considered to be test shots. The interview portion. Motherfucker. I would rank those two. The first two are always the best two, man. I speak from no experience. From one one shooting class we took one time. I was like, I, I, I go to a range once in a while. <laughs> She made it look easy, but it was not. It was a very difficult thing taking a human life. But she had to remember what she was doing this for. It was not for sport. It was not for medals. It was not for competition. But to save the lives of those that she loved and those that she fought alongside. After demonstrating her considerable skill in such a short time, the Red Army immediately enlisted her. From then on, Pavlochenko threw herself into battle, proving herself to be an excellent and gifted sniper. On her very first day of active duty, she took out two German scouts who were casing the area. 
She became the most successful of the 2,000 female snipers that were enlisted in the Red Army. She joined the 25th Shapeyev Rifle Division and was sent directly to the war front in early August of 1941, armed with a Tokarev SVT-40 semi-automatic rifle. By the end of her first month, she had achieved 100 confirmed kills and was promoted to the rank of senior sergeant. Way to go. I, you know... She is no fucking joke. So these Russian women are so powerful and they volunteer so quickly. So they're like, how can I help? I, I know how to do stuff. I'm not known for my my talent because I have to keep it hidden in some in some cases. But here I am coming to you. I want to help you. How can you make that happen? So later I'll talk a little bit more about exactly I think why it's women were um so powerful, especially in World War II. I mean yeah. we've talked about the, the night, night witches. witches. Yeah. That as and you're these talking, are the female snipers. And right. like, you know, you have these women that volunteering and killed so many I hate to say that word I mean, but they they were so successful in their duties during war and now this right. woman who's a great it, oh, and she's one of 2000 snipers it's um, it's fantastic the red army has 2000 female snipers at a time when women cannot enlist in the army at all in no. america no. Instead, they were in factories building the machinery and the planes and right. doing all of the hard work. Yeah. So, I mean, um, that was sort of part of the culture when the Bolshevik Revolution, after the Russian Revolution, women were seen as equals. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone was sort of seen as an equal because everyone was expected to do equal work. But I hope that they were recognized for it. So, like, let's continue because a lot of times they 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 will allow you to do all these things but then they will never mention you and your accomplishments so so yeah we will we will just plow forward in mid-october with odessa overrun her unit was evacuated by ship to sevastopol in the crimean peninsula where she began counter sniping which essentially is dueling with other snipers counter sniping was an incredibly risky assignment It is basically a sniper duel. Two snipers shoot back and forth at each other until one of them succeeds in taking the other one out. (laughs) It's like, how far away are they? Um, (laughs) You can ask as many questions as you want and I will have very few answers. Is it like, do they move? Is it like a dance? Essentially. In her entire career, Pavlichenko never lost a duel, despite engaging in duels that lasted several days and nights. One such duel lasted three days, though Pavlichenko never budged. Once, she had to lay completely still for hours and days, waiting for an enemy sniper to make a move. She never lost a single fight and had 36 confirmed sniper kills. I think because she has so much patience. Her longest longest, um, sniper duel lasted three days. She had placed herself in this, like, nice, warm little burrow. She had herself all set up. She had, like, a blanket over her head. She, she nested. She was nesting. Mm-hmm. And she looked out, and she saw a flash of light. A reflection. And the top of a helmet. And she's like, huh, could it be? She's like, hold up. Seems too easy. I don't buy it. So she backs out of her nice little burrow. 
she moves to another location that's like full of briars. It's thorny. She gets herself into this briar bush where if she makes the singlest, like slightest little movement, she gets stuck by briars and she waits and she waits. And eventually the German sniper got impatient and he went over to check his trap, which was just a stick with a helmet sitting on top of it. And she saw him and she took took him out. Later, she claimed the Nazi made one move too many. And he was impatient. He just kept a little bit longer. She's just more patient than anyone, I think, on Earth. (laughs) That takes real dedication. I think she just peed her pants. Oh, yeah. She just laid there peeing her pants. Oh, please. Totally. If I was in that position, I would totally pee my pants. Total pee-pee pants. Totally pee Total. Anyway. So besides pee pee pants, at least at least you know that you, you you won't get any critters in your area because you've marked your territory. Jesus Christ! I guess that's true. I want that to be true. You won't get any like random animals because I'll keep the scent. raccoons and mice away. Yeah, <laughs> I just made that up. I don't know if that's true. Or not. I don't. I don't know if that's true or not. If you pee yourself, do critters still come get you? She marked her territory. Things I know that will still get you from working (laughs) with um, undomiciled individuals in New York City is no matter how much you pee your pants, you will still get body lice and you still will still get bed bugs. Well, they have nowhere else to go. I'm just saying. They have nowhere else to go. If if you're in a bush, you have a lot of places to go. (laughs) I guess if you're in a briar bush, the animals or bugs have another place to go besides. Oh, someone declared this? Cool. I'm going to go to your pp pants crotch by may of 1942 she was promoted to the rank of lieutenant after having killed 257 enemy soldiers in her acceptance speech she kept it short she kept it simple and said i'll get more (laughs) yes that's amazing i'm glad she had an acceptance speech I know. I was like, where were you getting promoted that you had a speech? On one particular mission, she was spotted. And when she was spotted, she decided that she was going to climb a tree to escape, only to find herself in the crosshairs. When the bullets whizzed past her, she pretended to be shot, fell from the tree 12 feet, where she lay still for hours, baking in the sun until night fell. And then she quietly crept away. It's like the fucking Hunger Games. (laughs) <laughs> that might be based on her i think that's possible can you imagine like falling like on your side <laughs> or your back or something getting the wind knocked out of you and you have to pretend to be dead for 12 hours my thing is that she's lucky that they didn't check she is lucky they didn't check absolutely i think that she just laid you, convincingly still do you think that she was ready for them to check and she's like if they come by me i am armed to take this out probably i hope so because that could have been, like, a close encounter duel. Oh, yeah. I bet she probably had a knife in her hand ready oh, to go. Yeah. I mean, this isn't somebody you were going to fuck with. Like, But now she's just like, no, I'm going to lay dead for a couple hours. She's like, if I just fall out of this tree 12 feet, they see me fall and hit the ground, they're going to think I'm dead. Can you imagine just laying there in the grass and in, in the forest and not doing anything for 12? It kind of sounds relaxing. I don't know. It sounds relaxing, but can you do it? No, because I, if I have to sit still for one second, I already have an itch. (laughs) And you're alive because you moved. You twitched. Because I always have an itch. 
I mean, it was a really good idea of her. I mean, she made it. Good for you for being able to to do that. If if I was forced to do it, I could probably do it. I mean, I think if it's your life on the line, I could probably do you it. You do it. Yeah. Right? I could probably do it. Even I could probably keep myself from moving through the itches. But it would be very, very hard. Also falling like 12 feet. 12 feet onto her also, back. Also, who climbs trees? Was it a climbable tree? Was it one of those things that she had to like? Robin, don't like ask a lumberjack that don't have kind of a thing. To? Like she had a lumberjack competition. I don't know if she had leather straps. She, she like was Donald using. Duck and like weaseling her way up the up the tree trunk. Did Donald Duck really climb trees? Oh, honey, yeah, he did. Are you sure? Oh, yep. Check out the lumberjack cartoon. <laughs> oh lord this is was, taking a real turn sorry sorry but i'm just, I'm, gonna, just I'm just imagining like um if 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 it's a tree with multiple branches that you can like lift up it's great it's fine i'm imagining that but it now was pretty like, easy to climb up with her armor like her choice. armor but like with her gun she'd probably like sling around back just maneuvering up this up this tree if that was her easiest choice that was around her i'm assuming that it was probably a decently easy tree to climb i hope so you know like Probably like a low enough branch that she could pop up, grab it with her hands, get her legs up, pop up, and then, but, you know. I that think also that, makes it easier for other people, though. So you think that she would always go for the tree that was difficult for everyone else but her. I, I think that it was a, a situation a of quick, convenience only. And whatever happens with this She tree. is lucky that she made it out alive. Absolutely. In another of her exploits, she was actually in a position during a specific battle where all of the senior officers were either mortally wounded or had been wounded in some way. And she was left to be the senior officer that was in charge. And she had been wounded by shrapnel herself. But she proclaimed and screamed, boys, soldiers, follow me. And they did. Later, one of the soldiers said, she has the balls of a man. I'm glad that people recognize that. She was certainly well respected. Yeah, I'm. I'm glad that they weren't just like, well, no, I'm, I'm second in command. You listen to me or whatever. It was. No, I mean, I think that like her record spoke for itself, right? At this point, she's killed hundreds of people, and these are dangerous snipers and yeah. high level yeah. Nazi officers in Russia. I mean, she's not. Just picking off like 14 year old boys, you know? Yeah. So, though during this time, she certainly saw a lot of loss on the battlefield. She also found love there. Oh. When she was working in a, they were working in pairs, like a spotter sniper pair. Um, and that is where she met the man that would become her husband, Leonid Kitsenko. So not a lot is known exactly about their like love affair, but they were definitely married there during the war. They worked together and they, I mean like in the battle, they were like getting married, which is crazy. It happens. But it was not long before the Germans figured out who she was and referred to her as the Russian bitch from hell. Oh. On loudspeakers, they would promise her rank as a German officer in the army and unlimited chocolates if she would come and work for them. Which she found to be a decidedly sexist comment. So the Russian bitch from hell was a compliment. Yeah. Because now they're like, come work with us. They're like, uh, if you come on loudspeakers, they're like, if you come and work with us, we're going to give you unlimited chocolates. 
Because wow. that's what they think a woman this is sniper amazing. who's killed. I don't killed. know what to choose. Yeah, like. But I a, love how they just, they refer to us the Russian bitch from bitch hell. Bitch from hell. And you're like, hey, come to our side. We'll hey, get chocolate. come on over here. After her 309th kill, the Germans went on the loudspeakers, vowing to rip her into 309 pieces. Oh. Pavlochenko was flattered that they knew her score. Yeah, I mean, at this point, they are definitely fearful of her. Her success lay in her strategy. She was devious. She would use mannequins tied to trees, bright pieces of cloth put on bushes that attracted her enemy. Where? The floor recognizes Robin. Where did you get a mannequin? You're going to ask. Where would she get a mannequin? And how would she bring it? Does she bring it in pieces? Is it? So where are you? Where are you envisioning this battle taking place? In town. Because it's definitely inside town. Yeah. In right. town. So she would go to a department store that was, that I'm was basically. She throws it in a um, sack, brings it on with her. I don't know. That's my, that's my woman, thought. Man. Yeah. She would often hunt in the rain so that it would muffle the sound of her gunfire. And her footsteps. Yes. She was a ghost. And she became Lady Death. Often, she would not kill them outright, preferring to shoot them in the legs first, allowing them to cry out for help. And when help arrived, she would finish them all off. I don't think she did like um like an artery, like like maybe like a a knee, a knee, take a knee. Yeah, not like a fire or anything with the artery this way. They I mean, would bleed you have to be careful with that femoral artery yeah. because then so, they'll bleed out and they won't be able to cry out too cry much. Cry for help. I feel like she probably knew that. On three occasions, she was wounded. She also suffered as she lost many friends, many members of her family, as well as her beloved husband. That only made her more cruel. I was just going to say that. I was like, that just made her even a better fighter every time she lost a loved one. In June of 1942, she was injured by mortar fire. This injury was quite serious. Her fame had spread, and after her recovery, she was not sent back to the front, but rather, she was sent to America. She was the first Soviet to ever be received by a U.S. president when Franklin D. Roosevelt welcomed her into the White House. She was invited to go on a 43-city publicity tour with Eleanor Roosevelt. Shut up. When she met, Yeah. So she, they're like, you know what, you're too famous. The Germans know who you are at this point. Come to America. But your fame has spread. Right. And at this point, Russia is one of the allies with America in World War Two. And she was the first Soviet to be brought over. Male, female, first one. She met with the press and she was awestruck by the kind of questions she was asked. They asked her questions about her hair and her makeup <laughs> and her uniform. And she was marveled at what a different world it was. Here, people lived without war, without hunger, and without care. With Eleanor's encouragement and guidance, Leodmilia found her voice. She became an emphatic public speaker and rallied support for the effort, war effort in Russia. She spoke about what it was like to find the charred bodies of her friends. In one famous speech from that tour, she was in Chicago, and she spoke to the men in the front row and said, I am 25 years old, and I have killed 309 fascists by now. Gentlemen, do you think that it's time that you stopped hiding behind my back? 
Oh, fuck. <laughs> oh. Pavlochenko received gifts from dignitaries and admirers wherever she went. Mostly were rifles and pistols. The American folk singer Woody Guthrie wrote a song called Miss Pavlochenko about her in 1942. She continued to speak out about the lack of color line or segregation in the Red Army and about its gender equality, which she aimed at the American women in the crowds. Now I am looked upon as a little curiosity, she said, a subject for newspaper headlines, for anecdotes, but in the Soviet Union I am looked upon as a citizen, a fighter, and a soldier for my country. While women did not regularly serve in the Soviet military, Pavlenchenko reminded Americans that our women were on the basis of complete equality long before the war. From the first day of the revolution, full rights were granted to women in Soviet Russia. One of the most important things is that every woman has her own specialty. That is what actually makes them an independent person and as independent as any man. Soviet women, she said, have complete self-respect because their dignity as human beings is fully recognized. Whatever we do, we are honored not just as women, but as individual personalities and as human beings. That is a very big word. Because we can be fully that. We feel no limitations because of our sex. That is why women have so naturally taken their places beside men in this war. Her tour was a rousing success. In Canada, thousands greeted her and a fellow Soviet sniper at Toronto's Union Station. In November of 1942, in Britain, she accepted a donation from factory workers of 4,516 pounds, which was used to fund three X-ray units for the Red Army. On returning home, she was made a major, received the Gold Star, and was made a hero of the Soviet Union. She never returned to combat, but instead became an instructor, training snipers until the end of the war. Of the 2,000 Soviet female snipers who fought in World War II, only 500 survived. Fortunately, Pavlichenko was among them. When the war ended, she completed her doctorate, became a historian, and worked as a research assistant with the Soviet Navy. She also remarried and lived a quiet life in a two-room apartment. During the Cold War between the East and West, Mrs. Roosevelt said of the deteriorating U.S.-Soviet relations that if we ever hope to correct certain wrong impressions, we can do it only by contact with each other. In September 1957, Mrs. Roosevelt was granted entry to the Soviet Union. She received the red carpet treatment, but was not allowed to meet anyone without a minder. In Moscow, she was asking about Pavlenchenko, until finally the authorities relented and she was taken to her apartment. They chatted with a cool formality, unable to do more because of the minder who sat with them. Then Pavlenchenko stood up, pulled Eleanor into her bedroom, where the two ladies hugged. Roosevelt and Pavlenchenko laughed, cried, and had a quiet chat, proving that contact can indeed correct wrong impressions. Pavlenchenko died from a stroke on October 10, 1974, at the age of 58. She is buried in Moscow. She has had two Soviet commemorative stamps featuring her face. She still holds the record as history's most deadly female sniper. That is the story of Lyudmila Pavlenchenko, a woman who never got out of the way for a man, Lady Death. Just another notorious narrative. Thank you so much for listening. 
If you're enjoying the podcast, there are a couple of things that you can do to help us out. You can leave a positive review wherever you're listening now. You can also go to patreon.com forward slash notorious narratives, where you can access content that is exclusive for our patrons. And remember, keep it weird and never stop exploring.